Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, joining you from Lace Partners. We are a fundamentally different HR consultancy, and that's my new catchphrase for the year, because we are kicking off every single one of these podcasts with a fundamentally different question. That question is completely not related to HR, because we want to have a little bit of fun. I've got a a, a trio with me. We've got a trio with us in the office today and then one remote. I'll introduce the remote first, which is our co-founder, Kathy Agritopolo. How are you? I'm very good, Chris. Lovely to be back on the pod. Yes, lovely to be back on the pod. And we're talking the employee experience revolution campaign once again. This is one of this will be one of our final podcasts that we do. We've done quite a number of different podcasts for the campaign. If th- if those of you who are listening to this for the first time, or if you have not checked out our campaign, you can do so on lacepartners.co.uk forward slash ex revolution. You can get access to all of our information, and we break down the campaign into four distinct areas. The indisputable case for employee experience, uh, crafting holistic experiences, lessons from the C-suite, and then be an EX pioneer. Today, we have a separate company. It's an organization called Engage who are joining us, and we are partnering up with the lovely people at Engage, so much so that I'm actually in their office right now. We're going to introduce them in a second, but actually, no, let's just introduce them now, shall we? We've got uh, Andy Brown, who's the CEO and co-founder at Engage. Hello. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And uh, Sarah Jordan, who is very shy. So I want everybody to be very nice to them. <laughs> Sarah, how are you doing? I'm very happy. You're already cursing me, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do is get Andy and Sarah to introduce themselves. And then I'm going to get Kathy to talk a little bit about the partnership we've developed as well. But before we do that, I did promise a fundamentally different question. It's Def Leopard related because before Christmas, Sarah and I had a conversation with her team and we were talking about Def Leopard. And both of us said how much we love Def Leopard. But what we actually concluded is that we don't really know that much about them at all. So I know I found out one fact though, Sarah. So I'm going to tell you the fact, but first of all, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Apart from portion sugar on me and photograph, is there anything that you actually now have found out or know about Def Leopard? Nothing. <laughs> Andy? I think my only bit of trivia on Def Leppard. Do they have a one-armed drummer? That was it. Okay. That so, was it. And and as a bad drummer myself, I can hardly play the drums with two hands. And I've seen this guy play with one. It It is amazing. Really? So that's, my, that's my Def Leppard. Oh, he's beating me to it. Kathy, we really are throwing you under the bus and hoping that you've got some sort of Def Leppard trivia. Can you be a one-armed drummer? Well, in terms of facts around Def Leppard, yeah. I can give you a fact around Def Leppard. Whenever Def Leppard came on at my school discos, I would leave the dance floor immediately. There's a fact around <laughs> Def Leppard. So that's, that's my reaction to them. And on that note, let's move on to all things HR and employee experience. So I'm going to start, obviously, with uh, with you, Andy, just talking a little bit about yourself and Engage, and then Sarah, if you can do the same, and then Kathy. Let's get some perspective on why we've set up the partnership. So, Andy. 
Yeah, so I'm Andy Brown, the CEO at Engage. So my background is a real mix of research and consulting. So I started my career doing stuff in academia at Oxford and Harvard, where I was a visiting fellow. And then I've worked in a mix of research and consulting companies, but nearly all around this whole area of EX, including stuff on leadership and culture. So I was a head of research at Gallup, where we looked at the early work on what's called employee engagement then. And we've done a lot of work on EX since Engage, which Sarah and I co-founded in 2013 when we did a management buyout together. Yeah, and Sarah Jordan, so my background is very much on the research data and analytics side. So I started my days in social and political research and moved over to the kind of the people employee insight side of things. Nice. Nice. So Kathy, do you want to just give, I guess, a lace perspective on the partnership that we've put together? And then, and if you want to kind of jump in on any final bits, and then we'll talk about the main crux of our conversation today, which is building on a blog which we wrote which was around elevating people experience looking at people experience metrics at board level but first and foremost um, the partnership yeah absolutely well we're delighted to enter into a strategic partnership with andy and sarah and the team at engage not only are we in the same building which makes it very easy to keep in touch <laughs> face to face but actually we've known you guys for a, for a couple of years now i guess andy i'm trying to remember yeah. when our first coffee was back in um near, was. near our old office but but look at Lace, we love forming really strong partnerships with other companies that have very strong, very similar ethos to us in terms of what they're passionate about with their clients. And both Engage and Lace, you know, we work with large, complex organisations and ultimately we're here to affect change and help organisations deliver high performance through people. So we're very aligned in terms of our purpose. And also, I think between us as two organisations, we're very focused on outcomes for the business. So we take a very commercial mindset to helping our clients achieve change and achieve impacts and performance. Engage complements us really well in terms of what we do. So obviously a lot of our clients are HR leaders and we focus on HR transformation and, and talent transformation. And as part of that, we often get asked by our clients, you know, how can you help with, with driving leadership and coaching? How can you help with driving insights around what really will make the difference around performance in our organisation? And that's something where um, our friends that engage absolutely excel. So, you know, we've been working together for some time and we're now really delighted to formalise that relationship. And I'm sure between us, we can take even stronger propositions to our clients and help them solve their people challenges and, and i think from our end kathy you know we've seen this as a really complementary way of working together there's a commonality as you say in terms of we're working with hr predominantly as the buying client although a lot of our work is being done with ceos and excos but hr are the people that we're initially talking to in the organization but i think that philosophy part is really important so our whole engine at Engage has been about this, we, we call it Engageonomics, where you start at the end with what's the outcome that you're trying to drive as a business, then work back to say, what does engagement and EX need to look like to deliver that? And I think that fundamental sharing of that start at the end and work backwards philosophy has been what's really brought us together well. Yeah, certainly. So let's dig into some of the uh, the conversation pieces for today, really. And it was really interesting you were talking there about the engagenomics and focusing on the business outcomes. Now, Kathy, obviously, we've written a piece talking about how you elevate people experience at board level. And we talk about that, don't we? We talk about the importance of building that business value and business case. So can you just talk a little bit around some of that? And then also the dashboard, obviously, the example dashboard that we've given. And then I'll get some uh, thoughts from the guys for Engage as well. 
Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I think chatting this through with with Andy and Sarah from Engage is really helpful because, you know, you do take very much a data led and insights led approach to your engagements with clients. And this is exactly what we've been putting forward as, as how you can have more impact at the C-suite when you are trying to talk about the employee experience. So just a brief recap. And as, as Chris says, this is available on our website in terms of the detail that we've been through over our employee experience revolution campaign over the last few months. But we put forward a, um, a people experience model that that actually talked about the influences on experience being much broader than maybe the life cycle of employment that that the HR leader may typically own in terms of everything from attract and recruit me through to wishing me well when I move on. Actually, our experience at work covers a much broader range of, of factors, a lot of which don't sit within the CPO or the HR leader's remit. And that might be the digital experience you have at work. It might be the physical experience. It may well be the human experience of your people manager or your line manager or the people around you and the impact they have on your experience. Absolutely, leadership plays a key role in there as well in terms of an individual's belief in the organisation they're working in. And aligned to that is the purpose of the organisation and its values and its culture. And all of those sort of elements actually drive the overall experience. And actually, you know, what we've been putting forward is as an organisation, if you're looking to drive performance, productivity, engagement, to shift the dial on attrition or attention and have commercial impact, then actually needing to look at all aspects of that experience is what's so critical. And if you're looking to have that conversation as a C-suite, at the C-suite level, and you're there as the HR representative, the CPO, the HR leader, having a way of doing that that's data-led, insights-led, is really powerful. And you can access our our example dashboard in this space on our website. Um, And we've had various sort of discussions that that are accessible that, that you can that, that sort of explain it in more detail. But we were picking out different metrics, different KPIs that may well be important and want to be tracked and measured, just as you might measure the customer experience at the C-suite and the need to have that elevated to that level of conversation. If you can link that experience directly to commercial impact, then then that's where the, the sort of penny drops, I guess, in terms of having a really engaging conversation around what you need to do differently and track things going forward. And I know that sort of Andy and Sarah, that's where you start, right, in terms of what outcomes are you looking to achieve and then working back from that. And for the experience, I'm sure with the work you've been doing with clients, employee experience and engagement and so on, you've seen lots of different levers that then influence that outcome and we, we were talking even at lunchtime today about this whole peace gap that you, you know when we go and have conversations particularly with ceos and their excos they care about the ex but actually what they care about most is the impact the ex is having on certain business outcomes and they can be financial so is the ex helping us to deliver top-line growth or better profitability, better earnings per share. They're interested in customer outcomes. So if we improve the EX, is it helping us to serve customers better, get them to advocate for us more, come back and, and buy more with us over time? And there can be harder people outcomes. So we'll often look at things like productivity levels or retention levels of top talent as the outcomes. So I think where we're seeing clients going at the moment is they want dashboards, but with the lens of how is all of this EX piece going to drive the outcomes that as a C-suite, as the exco, we then have to talk about to the board, out to investors, shareholders. And that's that's the big trend that we're seeing at the moment. Is that fair, Sarah? 
yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I think the other the other piece in, in the example dashboard that the Lays guys have put together, the other thing that that sort of senior team want is clear accountability. Yeah. So once those relationships, once that kind of causal path has been identified, key priority areas, putting the data all in one place in a real kind of clear manner, what it does is it, it sort of builds in accountability and therefore the data isn't an end in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, we identify what's going to change those key outcomes and where the accountability sits crucially and we know and coming at it from a data perspective as well, data doesn't live in isolation. It's not all sitting with an HR team to drive drive those improvements and change those outcomes yeah i think that accountability bit kathy is is becoming even more important to the c-suite and the dashboards need to really reflect that because you know years ago when i started doing this kind of work at gallo it was kind of seen as hr's job to engage people which was lunacy really and and i think now most sort of informed leaders recognize that some of the EX and some of engagement needs to be the job of leaders, some of it needs to be the job of line managers, some of it needs to be HR driven, but that accountability piece has to be really clear in the data and in the dashboard as well to make sure the whole organisation is pushing towards the right ends. Yeah, and I think um, absolutely, and, and and I think that sort of plays to this messaging that we've been putting out through the campaign that the CPO or the HR leader may not own all of this. They may not own all the levers that drive experience and all the ways in which you can influence experience, which will then dr- drive you know, ultimately commercial outcomes for the business, but maybe they need to be the person who obsesses about it or the person that ensures that the linkages between the employee experience and the customer experience, for example, are really well understood. And you know what it is that's driving that experience for the customer and working back from there, understanding what the levers are that you need to pull on to drive a better employee experience if you are sort of buying into that hypothesis that Mm. employee experience directly impacts customer experience. And I think we all know, right, you know, walking into a coffee shop or a retail outlet or a restaurant or whatever we're going, we know that the attitude of the person we meet with, whether they're expressing sort of happiness in their role and and are performing well in their role, directly impacts our experience. You know, you can you can extrapolate that to jobs that are less obvious, but sure. we know there's a direct link. And Chris, we were talking with Kevin Green from First Bus, and he was talking about that hypothesis-led approach to transformation, to achieving business change. And I think that's what you guys focus on, right? It's like you know, what are the hypotheses that we are testing i don't know whether you want to sort of give a few examples or scenarios that you've been in where you sort of try to work through those hypotheses with the client yeah and i I think there's a really good recent example where we've been working with a client who's in the financial services sector where you know going through a huge transformation organizationally as, as a business and lots of different elements to that so there's pieces around what they're doing from a financial perspective, a data perspective, an organisational perspective. But they have done, I think they have done a really good job of doing what we talked about, which is starting at the end with, if we do this transformation well, what will the outcomes look like? So in their instance, they're looking at things like improved productivity, more efficient use of resources on, on the talent side. They're actually looking at trying to reduce retention because they have what they believe are retention levels that are too high. They have a group of people who they refer to as kind of coasters who are just in a comfortable environment, not very engaged, but want to stay there for years. And so one of their outcomes is how do we reduce that? 
So how do we make sure the people we're retaining are highly engaged, highly performing? They're looking at customer outcomes in terms of their market, in terms of um, how easy customers are finding it to do business with them, how long are they staying with them, for example. And then from a pure financial point of view, they're looking at levels of profitability and, and top line growth for their market. So they've done a really good job of starting at the end with the, the harder outcome metrics. But they've also, Kathy, I think, done a really good job of defining what an engaged person at that organization looks like in order to achieve those business ends. And it's interesting, isn't it, Sarah, the work you and the team did with them was very much about defining engagement properly yeah. in order to work out which bits of the X would, would play into it. Yeah, and I think we take a slightly kind of tougher view of what engagement means and, and we believe it, it should be one of the most kind of valuable tools that business leaders have to hand, you know, a, a highly engaged workforce who are going to deliver on that transformation, play their part, deliver exceptional customer experience, superior product service. I think it should be, but in many cases it isn't. And that's a lot to do with the way it's defined, the way it's understood. Um, you know, so when we're looking at talking about engagement, we're talking about it's a performance metric. If you can't use the words engagement and performance interchangeably, then we're not looking at engagement in the right way. So, that, you know, that's a good example of where how they've defined engagement and, and consequently measured it has been, you know, talked directly to those key differentiating behaviours that they need their people to be displaying to take them through that transformation. To Andy's point about retention, you then can start to qualify the measure of retention. We're not just looking at retention for retention's sake. We're able to look at retention amongst that those highly engaged people and what is going to drive retention there amongst that top talent mm. that we know are going to take us yeah. where we need to go. So it's partly how you define stuff, it's partly how you measure it, but then the final bit is what do you do with that data when you've got it back and how do you use smart analytics to really drive value out of it for the C-suite? And that example you just used there is a great one of, they're essentially segmenting their employee base. So if you just looked at what drives retention full stop, you'd identify a number of things you could do in the X to achieve it. Their approach, this client's approach has been, how do we improve retention of our very best people and our high potential people for the future? The answer is quite different. You end up with a different bunch of stuff that you need to work on in the EX in order to retain those great people. So it's subtle, but it's a really important differentiator what, in terms of what you do with that data once you've got it. And I think that that ties in again with you know our approach when we look at employee experience design. You know we come at this very much from a persona perspective, and those personas may well be role based in terms of the nature of someone's job, where they work, what geography they're in, what level they're at, and so on. It might actually be more behavioural in terms of the way they like to engage with the organisation or what motivates them, for example. So there's different ways of cutting the, the cake, if you like, in terms of how you segment, just as you would segment the customer base, right, in terms of if you're a product-based organisation and how you might target your product. And I guess that's what you're describing, Andy and Sarah, in some way, in terms of you were looking at the segment in that particular case of how you might differentiate what you would do to retain people who are classified as top performers. That's going to be different to what you might do for other parts of the organisation. And I know that you guys, you know, have a very strong data scientist approach to, to what you do. Is that... Do you help organisations like that in terms 
terms of understanding the different segments and and where it makes sense to differentiate what they're doing um, when it comes to engagement or experience, for example. Yeah, absolutely, Cathy. And I think this is one of the big pieces that has changed in EX and engagement work over the last few years. So if you look back 10 years ago, most data that most companies were getting on engagement and EX was purely descriptive. It was 80% of people think this, 50% of people think that. And you take it to the C-suite and they would just look at you blankly. What is this really? It's great, descriptive. It tells me the highs and lows. What does it really tell me from a business value point Mm -hmm. of view? So I think we've worked up, Sarah, a sort of a gradient, if you like, of improved analytics to help add value. So one is becoming more predictive. So, for example, rather than just describing flat data, what's going to make the difference? So if if we ask 50 questions in a piece of survey work, which of those questions are the real killer ones that will improve levels of engagement, improve the employee experience over time? There might be only four or five of those that really matter. But if we can hone in on those key drivers, you help the C-suite to say, right, these are our big strategic priorities. Segmentation is another example where we've used smart tools like cluster analysis to identify personas as you were talking about, Cathy, where you might have in the same organisation very different types of worker, might have very very different expectations, different drivers of, of engagement for them. So if I think about, we did work with a big FTSE 100 retailer a few years back where when you looked inside the organization of 170,000 people, they had four or five different types of employee that we identified with very different needs and expectations. And I think what was the, the kind of crucial value there was that it wasn't, there wasn't a a right persona or a wrong. I think it was challenging the kind of the idea that there's a right type of person here and there is this a single track for that the right person. And actually we were able to, you know, not only sort of create those, identify those personas and and identify what, you know, what their p- particular kind of needs or drivers were, but that they they all had something to bring to the business. It was just different. Um, and how as an organisation would they therefore get, you know, optimise the performance of different types of people as yeah. opposed to one type? Yeah. So I guess leading on from that, what I'd be really keen to understand and explore, because this is where the magic happens, right, is is actually how you get to that point. How do you help a client understand what those segments are? Because the segments are there for, for a reason, right? You're trying to, to to understand how you might differentiate or do things differently. So, so what is it that you go through with a client to get to that point of knowledge around their workforce segments? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of steps, really, Cathy. So we will quite often start doing it qualitatively. So whenever we're trying to get to know a client, understand their context, really get under the skin of the organisation, we'll often do one-to-one interviews with leaders or manager workshops or employee focus groups with larger numbers. And one of the things we're looking out for in that qualitative work is, are there different types of people here? with different needs, wants, desires in terms of of their employment there. 
what we tend to then do is test that in the quantitative data we get back from stuff like survey work or from social feeds that we've got. And then we use a, a technical cluster analysis, statistical technique, which starts to look at different ways we could segment the population. And there's a way of using that to say, what is the most discriminating way of dividing those segments up? In other words, how different are those groups really to each other, both in terms of attitude, but also in terms of demographics, so that we have really well-defined different segments. Then we look behind those and say, if we've got segments one, two, and three, what's different about them in terms of their drivers? What makes them like the EX here and what makes them engaged and also in terms of performance what's more likely to help them to perform through the the EX that we're delivering so that's the kind of step-by-step approach we yeah and I think it challenges you know it's it's much easier to segment people on defined characteristics and I think it's it's helping clients move away from the assumptions of what is the defining characteristic of me as, as an individual and those sort of more traditional demographic ways of looking at things or the level or it's helping clients take a, a slightly more kind of sophisticated and, and often sort of multi-dimensional way of looking at people. The challenge is obviously making those those different clusters, personas identifiable. It typically would go back to a qualitative stage to, to understand how do you help managers work with different types of people who have different priorities and needs, drivers of performance, classic things. We've been working with one client recently where we've done a big bit of work helping them understand how they can better customise their progression, their process around progression, because it was traditionally very much dominated by one personality type. It was, you know, it's quite a sales-led organisation and therefore progression very much, or their their, their processes and their, their approach very much suited those people who were much more comfortable shouting loud and mm-hmm. using smart data, both quant and qual, to say, actually, you need to offer more than a one-size-fits-all approach here to help your most talented but perhaps less outspoken people progress at the same rate as those mm-hmm. that and I, I think that's one trend we're really seeing now, Cathy, is that smarter companies are using that segmentation on their workforce in the same way their marketing functions have been segmenting their customers for like 40, 50, 60 years now. And um, so that parallel, I think, is starting to come through. Not all organisations yet, but it's getting there. So that's one differentiator. The other I would really hone in on is smarter firms are using all of this data now to demonstrate ROI back up to the C-suite. So, you know, once you've identified your segments and your drivers, what the C-suite really want to know is, if I could do X, Y, or Z to change the EX, there's a strategic choice here, which of those is going to be give me the biggest return on investment in terms of whatever the outcome is you want to drive productivity, better CX or better profitability. And the ROI work that we've been doing really involves integrating softer data like employee engagement or EX survey data with harder business outcome metrics and actually using statistical techniques to bring those two data sets together to say, okay, we don't just want to predict what's going to look like a good EX or good engagement. We want to predict 
retention of top talent or we want to predict how do we improve profitability in the business and that is a totally different question to what is going to raise engagement or improve the ex and i think if if you put that lens on things with clients the c-suite of that client body are much more likely to sit up and take notice and i I hate to bang the same old drum but the one thing we do know is that integrated analytics being able to identify real statistical relationships in your data between it's sort of softer people data right through to hard financial metrics. It only works if you have got the right data and you're measuring the right stuff. So trying to, you know, trying to use kind of almost bland, quite generic sort of measures of people, the people experience or people's attitudes, behaviours that don't really tap into your organisation, your dynamic, ultimately what you're trying to achieve as an organisation. If you're not measuring the right stuff, then you can analyse and analyse till you're blue in the face, but you won't get that reliable statistical relationship, which allows you to then make smarter choices. Yeah, I think a, a great example, the financial services client we were talking about earlier have been looking over the past few months at challenges they've really got with their workforce around return to office and productivity levels. And they've done a really smart job in my view, of using a lot of the EX and engagement data we've worked on them with and then bringing in stuff like productivity data, data they're seeing on Teams and emails and numbers of meetings, all that kind of stuff, office attendance, and help getting us to help them link that together to say, okay, if you want to engage people to come back into the office, what does that look like? What do we need to do differently to get productivity back to pre-pandemic levels? And I think it's a really nice example of using smart data analytics like that to solve a very specific business challenge question that the CEO's got at the moment. Absolutely. And and as the CPO around the table, we'd be really clear on what are those exam questions that would be adding value to the debate and, and helping to drive different investment decisions, for example. So so having crisp exam questions and then working back from there to say what are the what are the insights we would need to answer those exam questions. I know that's where you guys excel, right? So I think that's a really good example. I think the the other thing it might lend itself to, and I don't know whether you've had experience of this as well, is taking a more sort of sprint approach, a, a, a testing approach to what makes a difference. So rather than taking a, a, a hypothetical scenario and going with it as a main your program of change you you know if you've got the right data the right insights you can test things you can pilot things you can try stuff out with a lower investment risk see what impact it has and then extrapolate from there if you see what i mean is is that something that you're familiar with seeing yeah and it's you know there's a lot of great examples of that that we've worked on recently kathy so one of the us clients we've been working with for quite a few years now have been doing a lot of work recently on, but especially post-pandemic, on how do they keep enhancing their development programs for people? And they've tested all sorts of things like pushing a lot of learning online with LinkedIn, for example, lots of different ways of doing it. And what they're starting to do now is use the data that we've just been talking about to test which of those 
best help to develop people to the levels they need to be for crucial roles. And really the way you tackle that, Deirdre, is to say there are six, seven choices we could make here about how we do our development programmes. Which of those using data modelling is going to give us the best return? Which is going to help people progress quicker through the ranks? What's going to get people more up to speed to become an MD in the firm, for example? What's going to help them become more client focused and more sales focused as an example. So I think you can take any good exam quest. I really like that concept. And we ask clients a lot at the moment, what is it you really want to know about? To just get them to hone in on the those key exam questions. But once you've got them, nine times out of 10, we can use the data to work backwards and answer it and therefore help them to make those strategic choices, Kathy. Really, really interesting. Um, we are basically out of time now, which is a bit unfortunate, really, because there's lots of things I would love to delve into. We might have to go into podcast version number two, Mm -hmm. like even things such as I was just thinking as you were talking about that that balance between you talked about the sales company and they've only got one sort of type of person, the the balance between too many personas that then can add too much complexity in. But I think that might be a a podcast question for another day. It's been absolutely amazing. Uh, Fabulous to have the guys from Engage partnering up with us. We have new friends at least and we always we like to friends. Kathy, thank you very much for joining me as always co-hosting for me. It's a pleasure, Chris, and thanks so much to Andy and Sarah from Engage. Really great debate and uh, loving working with you. Yes, Sarah, lovely to have you on. <laughs> that wasn't too bad, was it? Will you come on again? Yes. Right, there we go. It's committed to recording now. She's so. a convert now. Yeah, she's a convert. So Andy, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. And we hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Of course, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can also access it through the Lace Partners website, lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. Right at the beginning of the show, I talked about our employee experience revolution. Just once again, that's lacepartners.co.uk forward slash EX revolution. There are other podcasts. We've done podcasts with Chief Marketing Officer talking about what marketing and HR can learn from each other. We've talked about our holistic um, model um, around the different types of experience. We have some lovely videos of Kathy talking with Kat about our views on all things EX. So hopefully you will uh, log on, you'll uh, have a little look and, uh, and join us. But for now, thank you very much for listening to the latest podcast. And hopefully we'll see you next time on the HR on the Offensive Podcast. Bye-bye.